Hello and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast. This is volume 10, issue 461 for Hattleful Boyfriend, A School of Hope and White Wings. I am James Carter and joining me on this, the loftiest number of issues, the well, loftiest so far at least, uh, we have Leah Haydu. My hunter-gatherer blood boils. <laughs> And we will be very careful. <laughs> uh, and also, John Salmon. Carve it into your soul, kids. <laughs> oh, this game goes places. Uh, so, <laughs> before we get on to talking about it, this game is a visual novel. We'll talk genre and how it fits in, but largely visual novel. It's incredibly narrative, so spoiler warnings from here on out. Even through the the development and talking about who made this game, we may get into spoiler territory because of the number of releases. So you Even are Even the content warning is probably going to be a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have put here a content warning uh, just because this game goes dark places, but also breezes past some stuff that if you're not careful for it, it could well be uh, something you would want to, to be pre-warned on. So topics such as suicide, murder, genocide, infanticide, dismemberments, it runs the gamut here i may not have covered everything but if there are if there's anything in that realm that you are sensitive for please be warned it comes up in the game one playthrough you might not see all of that it may take five or six playthroughs it may take many more than that and sort of five or six hours into the playing this game for that to come up but we during the course of the next couple of hours worth of discussion will get into some of that and how you know it struck us and whether we were affected by any of that so uh, obviously, keep yourselves uh, safe with regards to that and uh, you know, be forewarned. Hatapo Boyfriend, we will refer to it from here on out because <laughs> the long title is a mouthful. The developer. So through all of these credits, there are generally at least two people or groups of people involved because this game can be kind of split down the middle between the original release and subsequent additions to that and then the remake that occurred um six years ago at this point um which was handled by a separate development team in conjunction with the original developer the original developer being pidgeo nation inc which we'll get on to who that is in a second uh obviously hatful boyfriend a game about to some degree pigeons and so the developer it's there in their in their blood so to speak you may not have heard of Pidgeon Nation Inc. outside of this particular game, but a company that you may not have heard of at the time they did the remake, but you sure will have heard of now, is Mediatonic. They were founded in 2005. Looking down their list of games, they have like dozens of games a year uh, in their early years for the likes of PopCap and Sega, uh, web game spin-offs of some of their series and that kind of thing, and then Dr. Kawashima web games. Um, recently, though, uh, notable on there, Gears Pop, then Murder by Numbers, and the one that everyone will have heard of over the past year or so is Fall Guys. Um, they are suddenly a very well-known developer uh, and have now been snapped up by Epic, so, yeah, they also did the remake for Hatful Boyfriend, which was not something I knew until I uh, pulled up the credits and saw that name and thought, hang on a second. <laughs> Similar sort of situation with the publisher. Original publisher, Miss PSI Press or Miss Psy Press. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. 
the publisher of the remake, though, Devolver Digital, again, publisher of all the games, <laughs> it feels like sometimes. It really isn't true, but, you know, the likes of Hotline Miami, Oli Oli, Downwell, Enter the Gungeon, Grease, and a recent addition to that list, Loop Hero, which is kind of on everyone's lips at the moment. So almost certainly if you play indie games, you will have come across Devolver Digital in one way, shape, or form or another. Pidgeot Inc. Pidgeot Nation Inc. I should say is the strictly speaking the manga doujin of Hato Moa, <laughs> which these are words that I had not really considered their full meaning of until putting all this together and kind of getting all the context. So um, Hato Moa is an artist and a writer who has made manga in the past. Had a a doujin is a is a circle, so a group around uh, her called Pidgeot Nation Inc who have been involved with all sorts of art and music and this game. Hatomo's name appears in every single part of the credits as director of the original game, producer of the original game, programmer, uh, writer, the main artist for the game, again all for the original um, one and a lot of that content obviously comes through into the remake and then the, the remake it's a lot of Mediatonic staff. Um, one area I did want to touch on was with the writing and the art. Um, another artist um, called Damarushi was also involved in that. And then when Mediatonic took over uh, for the remake, they took the original source code, which was in an engine that kind of was not very compatible. So they basically remade the game in Unity um, under the direction of Jeff Tanton following on from a conversation that Mediatonic's Ed Fear had had. He'd played the original Japanese game, really liked it, and wanted to remake that and bring it more widely to different platforms and to the West. A few things about the development of the game. Um, the name of the game is actually a pun on Hatofuru. Apologies for pronunciation here. I'm going to go for it and hopefully not um, insult anyone or, or uh, do a terribly bad job. Hatofuru means heartful, and that is phonetically similar to the English word, obviously, hurtful as well. Hato, on its own, is an English transliteration of dove or pigeon. So, obviously, Hatoful has lots of different meanings. They're all kind of folded into one, and uh, part of the game, one of the storylines, actually changes the text in the bottom of the screen from Hatoful Boyfriend to Hurtful Boyfriend in reference to the fact the sort of multi-meaning uh, name of the of the game. The final releases for this game, the one certainly that I played uh, and many people will have had access to, was on the 21st in America, 22nd in Europe of July 2015. Um, the PS4 and Vita versions of this game were released. After that, we also had, again, Unity being a very portable engine, not dismissing that as an easy thing to do, but it's it works on several platforms. Uh, the 25th of May 2016, uh, the game came to iOS, and the 13th of July 2016, as is customary, a little bit later, the Android version dropped as well. As you can imagine, there's a lot of kind of complicated history behind the development and release of this game, but... Plenty of people have played it. On Open Critic, it received 43 uh, critic reviews, so reviews from different uh, online publications. And for the first time in a while, a fairly middling score. Uh, this received a fair category for a 71 average score. Only 45% of critics recommended it, so not uh, overwhelming critical success. 
but reviewed by a lot of places, which for a game like this I think is notable. Also true when we go to IMDb, a 5.7 on IMDb is not a particularly high score. A lot of games that I can remember sort of in the 7s or 8s. But notable, I think, on Steam, very positive. 94% positive reviews from 4,502 reviews. So quite a few people played this game. The only kind of reported sales figure I can see is before the remake, the original version, as of 2014 on one of the websites it was hosted on, DL site, had reported 7,000 downloads, so not big numbers by game sales, but it's largely a downloadable game. It's been available on PlayStation Plus, that was in September 2017, so it's going to be something that a lot of people have access to and has been downloaded obviously a lot, but we just don't have, I couldn't find reliable figures for that. Okay, that's a lot of James talking. I am going to ask, uh, I think both of you probably have a um, earlier history with this game than me, but Leo, would you start off with your history with this game? So where you played it, how you came to it, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I played um, the Vita version first. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when this was, but it's been a few years ago when I was going, hey, remember when we had commutes um, and I didn't just work from literally where I'm sitting right now? Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I used to have a, a pretty, pretty decent commute um, during which I would usually play either a Vita game or a 3DS game. So I, it would have been a Switch game because I yeah, bought those a Switch. Yeah, days. <laughs> well, it wasn't. The, the thing was oh, that wow. I, I, I didn't, get, I didn't get a Switch Lite for a while. Uh, and then I mm-hmm. did get one and then about two weeks after I got it, we went into lockdown. So right. I, I didn't really get a whole lot of commute use out of my Switch Lite, unfortunately. No. Uh, but uh, it's there, you know, it's not going anywhere. Uh, so yes, I played it on the Vita on my commute. Not sure how many, not very many of the storylines uh, got through the first time, maybe like two or three. Thought, okay, well, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get what this game is about. That's cute. You know, you're dating pigeons. And I uh, kind of left it at that. And then <laughs> when I was preparing for the show, I played it on the PS... Well, I played, I played it on the PS5, the PS4 version, and uh, actually got... Uh, I'm very disappointed that this game does not have a platinum trophy, but I did get all <laughs> the trophies and go through all of the uh, the storylines. And as, as you've alluded to before, and as we will get into, this game goes some places. So I have played through uh, all of the storylines mm-hmm. and uh, gotten, I guess, what would be all of the endings. And uh, I also have played a little bit of the sequel which is a Hadoful Boyfriend Holiday Star. I haven't played the whole thing yet. I, I might go back and, and do some more of that. I just kind of wanted to p- poke in and see what it was about. But a uh, little bit of experience with that. Mostly it's uh, that I have played through the uh, storylines for the uh, main game. Excellent. Uh, so, John, how about yourself? Okay, well, if you'll allow me to be extremely indulgent here. Of course. Um, I'd like to actually talk about how this ties into... Uh, basically how I came across the whole visual novel slash dating sim genre and why this is kind of an important game in that respect for me. So I was just a regular person playing regular games. I've never had a huge amount of uh, interest in Japanese culture particularly or kind of never really grew up with anime or anything like that. It's always Mm -hmm. been something that's been kind of uh, like... um, 
I guess, kind of a, a, an intriguement from afar, but not something I've ever sought out particularly strong. And I was quite aware over the course of the, like the first half of the kind of the Xbox 360 PS3 uh, life cycle in the kind of the late 2000s, uh, that there were a, a large number of games that were exclusive for the 360 versions, uh, particularly were exclusive to Japan, that they were largely visual novels dating sims very similar to how this plays out and they were something that was always kind of on my peripheral vision because um they were kind of large in the achievement hunting community as being kind of games that you could play through without having any um knowledge of the game particularly or any uh, any japanese spoken uh, abilities but um lots of people had put up guides saying at this point press this button do this do this and you know you'll get all of the achievements in this game in the course of 40 minutes or an hour or something and at the time 10 years ago that was quite remarkable for for games to be able to get all of the achievements that quickly so that that was kind of something that I was aware of the existence of but didn't have any interest in at the time and then a number of years after that I think we're looking at maybe 2014 2015 um, I had a friend, long-term uh, Xbox Live buddy, played lots of games together, who was in the um, uh, in the military and got deployed to Japan, and he sent back to uh, to me and uh, Tony at the time, particularly, uh, sort of a package with um, a Japanese region-locked Xbox 360 and lots of these visual novel games that were only available to play on that 360, just as kind of a, here you go, try these out, see what you think pretty much unaware of the the intricacies of the genre at that time and i remember sitting down a few evenings with tony and we have a few beers and play through these games with a guide that just said when you see this string of japanese characters on the screen you pick this one instead of this one below and it goes through <laughs> and sort of seeing these games with no idea of what was actually happening but you'd see the backgrounds change and you'd get an idea of okay well this must be the protagonist these are the these are the kind of the characters that they're chasing after there were a couple of those games in particular that still stick out to me because they seem to go to such bizarrely off-piste scenarios for what you were expecting at the beginning i i very strongly remember a game i think it was uh, called uh, Dunamis or Dunamis 15 and one of the early early memorable scenes and it was all of these very pretty sort of anime boys and girls um, on the beach playing volleyball all kind of half naked like lots of sort of leery shots of them and half an hour later that had turned into what looked like all of them in some sort of underground experimentation bunker being dismembered and killing each other and kill, uh, committing suicide and things I remember thinking playing this game I'm really intrigued as to what the course of events that led from that kind of hot, fun beach party environment to this <laughs> everybody's being murdered scenarios. I wish I could speak the language and understand that. And for some reason, that sort of stuck in my head and made me think, you know, I'd, I'd really actually like to play some, some visual novels if there are any of them available. So then around that time, this Hatful Boyfriend was being released on Steam and on the PlayStation, and I completely... Uh, just sort of by the by, I guess it had come across as being a um, here's a visual novel game, and they're not at this point in 2014, 2015. They're not that common in the West. There's not that many translated ones. At least that was my understanding. I mean, nowadays, uh, if you go go somewhere like Itch.io, it is absolutely bursting yeah. with translated and Western-made visual novels. But at the time 
six, seven years ago, it seemed seemed rather unusual. So I remember hearing about this kind of quirky game, and it was roughly the sort of thing that I, I'd been interested in seeing how they played out in in an English language version. And the the weird hook of well, it's all the characters in it are pigeons, so you're dating pigeons. Um, and I thought, well, I guess we'll see what happens with this. And I picked it up on the PlayStation Four. Um, I played it. Looking back at the trophies, it looks like it took me a little while. I think maybe I didn't have a PlayStation 4 until quite late, but mm. I played through it in the middle of 2017. Mm. And yeah, I just I remember thinking this is really bizarre. It's got this whole kind of rug pull where the scenario totally changes at one point. Yeah. And I was quite enamored with the the strangeness and the um, the kind of the intricacies. Plus, it's the sort of thing where there are literally 14, 15, 16 different endings to it. So yeah. I had to go through and see it all. And I, looking back at the trophies now, I think I went through the entire game, played all of the different endings and stuff over the course of about a week or 10 days, mm -hmm. all August 2017. Then this show, for some bizarre reason, was put onto the Kane and Wrench schedule. So I've gone through and done a handful of the scenarios again this week. And maybe about seven or eight of them, including the 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 sort of the full extended ending. And yeah, I mean, it's it's weird now because when I first played this, it was the only game like it that I'd played in English and actually experienced. Yeah. And now, three and a half, four years later, there are tons of games like this. The um, uh, main console stores are, I wouldn't say being flooded with them, but there are so so many more of these on the Xbox One and PS4 store mm. than than there ever used to be. And yeah, it, it's interesting sort of going back to my first one after seeing quite a few others. And I think it's it's got its problems, but it still holds up really well. So I'm very pleased to have had a chance to experience it again. Excellent. My history, as mentioned. So before this, I don't think I'd played any dating sims. I, as mentioned, had played a couple of visual novels, uh, both on DS, I think. Um, the likes of 999, Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors, to give it its full title, which we covered in Kane and Rince uh, 184. As mentioned, that's definitely based, it's based around puzzles. So you're puzzle solving, it's an escape room game, but the story is very much visual novel. And the reason that I wanted to bring it up is because as mentioned here you start off thinking it's one thing and it goes elsewhere now it's you start off with a bunch of people being kidnapped and put into a room just to go with non-spoilerific stuff about 999 and even for that kind of outlandish scenario it still goes places that you're not expecting and it's over multiple playthroughs which is why it came to mind when i was thinking about this because i very definitely had heard about this game I'd heard people mention it. I think Gamers with Jobs had mentioned it, kind of leading up to maybe around the, the remake date. And I did not pick this up until uh, it came to pay PlayStation Plus September 2017. If you'd asked me before this week, I would have probably sworn that I played it in September 2017. But I didn't. I checked. Thankfully, having trophies and having completed a couple of the, the endings, um, or a couple of the yeah, endings they both are, I know exactly when I played it, which was June 2019, as it happens. So a couple of years ago, nearly as we sit here now, but a couple of years after it came to PlayStation Plus and a full kind of four years after it was published to PlayStation 4 and Vita. Um, I played it on PlayStation 4. I replayed it this week, PlayStation 5, but PlayStation 4 version like Leah uh, did as well. 
and I know that I got endings number 8 and 12 and I was able to do that because you can actually get the ending for 12 on the way to other endings it's kind of a, a mid-story end, end point you can kind of get to or, or closure for one of the storylines you can get to um, for the Tarimi Cafe and I thought it was really cool it's a really quirky setup um, for a game It's it's got an interesting way of storytelling it's very much visual novel choosing dialogue options not much in terms of getting into the nitty-gritty of any puzzles or anything like that um you're just enjoying the story just you're enjoying the story and i got to the end of it and thought yeah that went that that was really cool nice setup paid off but uh it was actually john yourself when you said just a heads up uh i think it was about probably 10 days ago now just a heads up to anyone playing you're gonna want to put some time into this a single playthrough seeing the credits is not gonna cut it and you were absolutely right i fully intended Mm -hmm. to go back and get all the trophies so it wasn't like i would have missed it but i'm so glad that i gave myself the time to do that um likely i'll have all the trophies now and that requires certainly what amounts to probably like six or seven full playthroughs of the game and as leah mentioned the last one is a good couple of hours worth of you really need to pay attention to what's going on and keep track of it and as opposed to being able to fast forward parts of kind of repeat playthroughs you're really not doing that for much of that last playthrough so yeah that's my story with it i i replayed this game several times over the past uh, week so we've kind of danced around and touched on a little bit what the genre of this game is. It's part visual novel, which uh, the actual uh, genre for that in terms of the Japanese is um, na- Nakige. The other aspect of that is a Tomi, which is a dating sim, but actually specifically within the realm of dating sims, it's particularly one where there is a woman protagonist and men as love interests. But this game is also expressly a parody of those things. That's something that Hatomoa has specifically said. This was intended both from the setup and from the way it plays out as a parody of those types of games. Not not like making fun of, but prodding at the the expectations and the structure of those games as they usually are. So, uh, gameplay. I have one bullet point for this. I didn't really have a great deal more to say. It's one of those where I've played visual novels that have puzzle elements, um, almost to the point where I had to do a double take and think, is Professor Layton a visual novel? No, no, it's not. It's a puzzle game and they have the story there. But So this is a visual novel, this this game. Broken down a bit, multi-choice branching storyline was kind of what I came up with. Because it's not all dialogue choices, it's action choices as well, but you're not involved in the doing of you are the uh, editor of this story making choices as, as we go i think that kind of covers it in terms of the gameplay it everything else is is the aesthetic and the story i think the only thing that i think that i would add to that is that choices that you make in one storyline can to an extent affect the options that are available in others. Okay, yep. And specifically what I'm talking about here is some of the options that you can select from don't open up until you have already so you've done gone those, yeah. through a couple yeah, yeah. of the endings. Um, that's that's true for the uh, the extended ending that we've mentioned a couple of times, mm-hmm. but it's also true for um, An- Angel, An- Angel, An- Angel. Yep, yep, um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, the, <laughs> yeah. the character that was uh, put in um, uh, yep. kind of, after the original release, uh, his 
option doesn't Mm -hmm. open up. You don't get the prompt that you have to choose in order to bring him into the storyline until you have been through several of the other endings. So, yeah. And uh, Tori, I believe. Yes, yes, also. The same as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, um, so the eventual end game, if you like, storyline opens up separately to the Mm -hmm. epilogue of that as well. There's different criteria you need to meet. You you will do all of the criteria to open up that portion of the game in the doing of the the criteria to get the epilogue, but you need to do more to be able to get the epilogue on the end of that. So, um, yeah, it it definitely, it remembers that you have played this game game before and what you've unlocked for it. So, uh, which is a nice way to not throw you right in at the deep end by accident (laughs) of, of suddenly being in the weird place that this story goes. Uh, until you've kind of seen what's uh, what's there first. Yeah, like in that respect, I think the game knows very much what it's doing. Like it is very clearly tailored to give you. I think I'm I'm not sure if they're specific endings that you have to unlock before it lets you choose the um, the the full extended ending. I, it might just be a number of them that you have to do. But you, I mean, this this ties into lots of the other aspects of it as well. Mm. But there is this this element behind the game where. It really throws you in at the deep end with absolutely no backstory, very little idea of what's going on, very little real world building. And there are points throughout, if you play six or seven of the storylines, you will learn small amounts about what has happened in the world. But it's not until you've done a certain number and you get that extended um, extended gameplay that it actually explains why these things are happening and it's it's one of those things where it's like watching the sixth sense again where once you've seen what's you know actually happened in the game it suddenly lots of those little threads that you saw make sense i think there's a scene somewhere part way through where um your main character goes running and you see lots of just shots as a shot Mm -hmm. of a shrine and a Mm -hmm. shot of something else and one of the shots you see is some skyscrapers tumbled down and you haven't really had any idea what the rest of the world is like at this point. And it's but just you see for like a second and... too. That, that it's like you're you're seeing. Oh, yep, I passed this. I passed this. I passed this. This is a destroyed building that looks like an apocalypse hit it. Um, oh, hang wait. on, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it's gone immediately onto yeah. the next thing. And yeah, so it's that that extended end, um, ending is kind of the like the key that unlocks um, your understanding of the rest of the game. But I mean, very specifically in terms of gameplay, something that I want to point out, having played a large number of other mm. similar games, is that I I don't want to complain about this and make it sound like I'm being very negative. But I think that the the basic kind of structure of this, the the extremely core mechanics of it aren't possibly as good as certainly not as good as in a lot of other games but maybe um leave a little bit to be desired and i know that this is really like extremely nitty-gritty things i'm talking about but for example with the the ui interface you have very very few options for how the text progresses how the story progresses i think you can speed up or slow down how quickly the text sort of scrolls onto the screen but in virtually every other game that i've played that's similar to this Mm. um you then have multiple options where uh, you can make the text speed up you can make it so that instead of having to press a button once the text has scrolled across the screen it skips onto the next thing but there's a ton of games that will also do things like automatically skip through dialogue that you've seen before or skip to the next piece of the game that you've never experienced yep. Yep. Um, or have better options for rewinding if you missed something or yeah. rewinding back to a 
you know a choice so you can you can make it again and unfortunately um in the hd release of this you can't do any of that you've only got the option to uh, fast forward through the text and once you start getting to scenes that you haven't seen before it will just continue skipping through it unless you've realized and, and pressed something and that's I don't want to say that that's bad or a failing of the game, but it's something that I saw as being lesser sort of quality of life than yeah, a sure. lot of the other visual novels have have got to that point now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not ideal. I don't think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It would have been nice to see maybe a, a couple more, like you said, just options for that kind of thing. I I did make the mistake of skipping past a little bit of. Uh, some of the dialogue that I had not seen before because I was fast forwarding through something else and just didn't catch it until I got there, Mm -hmm. which I I mean, it's not a huge deal. I I noticed pretty quickly, but it even would have been nice to see something and not even just visual novel games have this, but a lot of them do. If you could pull up a transcript of, of the dialogue Uh, up to that point, that's, that's one that I like just in case, you know, I want to see what somebody said you know two scenes ago and and i've forgotten i can kind of just scroll it back but uh unfortunately this doesn't have that i didn't find it to be a huge problem but yeah there there definitely were some kind of eh, rough edges maybe or just things that that maybe could have stood a little bit more refinement perhaps yeah definitely yeah, no, definitely. So uh, the way it works is you can press triangle on a PlayStation controller at any point, and what it will do is it will speed up the text. You can still kind of see what's there. It's not going so fast that you, you can't see it, um, but it will auto-scroll through several pieces of dialogue. But generally, if you move on to a new day, it starts scrolling slowly again, and you kind of need to press it again. It does generally... It obviously stops whenever you've got a choice to make, but it absolutely doesn't always stop if there's a new piece of dialogue, unless it happens to coincide with where there was a choice. It's simultaneously, it requires you to be too involved. And because you're kind of an autopilot tabbing through, as it were, I found myself tap, oh no, stop, I need to read that. You know, occasionally I would press it when I didn't intend to, just because I'd got so used to having to press fairly periodically the skip button. It also doesn't help that uh, one of the routes in particular several other of the later routes kind of have you have to go through shoes route it is the doctor that's kind of the basis for like two or three other birds routes so you kind of are seeing a lot of that route and going through like half of the year on the same route all the time and at that point it is really like yeah we could have done with skipping to a given date even if you have to acknowledge that so that you're aware of what's happening and you can kind of get yourself in the frame of mind, it could have used a couple of things. Mm. And even, again, this is extremely nitpicky <laughs> and this is this is now sort of complaining against the, the fundamentals of the game, but there is a, a kind of an early ending that will come up if you haven't committed to, you know, sort of committed enough attention points into any of the specific love interests. And that happens relatively early i think maybe about halfway through the game or a little bit more than halfway so you can't even really kind of cheat the system and talk a little bit to everybody and then kind of go from there branching off like halfway through which i mean you can do it for certain things there's a few that uh i found just when i was messing about with um uh, the uh cafe scenario and stuff Mm -hmm. that happens in the middle of the game there are a few things that are kind of a bit more 
nebulous like it doesn't really matter which decisions you pick yeah. compared to which characters you're trying to go for so there's a, there is a bit there where you can start off a game and play quite a lot and then think well there's actually from this point there's probably two different storylines i could go down but you can't kind of fudge it and leave everything open no. because if you do that the game just sort of randomly kills you off <laughs> at about the halfway point so that that killing off can happen all the way right to the very last decision you make depending upon the particular storyline and how many points you've got in one bird or another's favor but yeah i think about halfway through the year is the earliest point at which that can happen because you've just made yeah. too many disparate decisions mm. unknowing not that you did it intentionally but until you kind of know how to play it, yeah, it kind of leaves you in the lurch a little bit. Uh, I think that was literally the second ending that I got because the other, mm. the first one that I got was the other kind of non-standard halfway through the game one with the uh, with the spa- uh, the cool sparrow punk girl. Yeah. So Happy then the story, second yeah. time I played through, I was like trying to trying to a- avoid falling into that storyline again i think i was a bit wishy-washy and sort of came back to school after the summertime and was immediately murdered (laughs) (laughs) was a little bit frustrating but a surprising number of them end with you dying so (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, they're not all very good endings no in fact a lot of them are pretty bad Mm, Uh, but but yeah i mean there, there are there are storylines and there are endings that you can get that depend on what you do throughout the entire game. And then there are some that only hinge quite literally on one choice. Like yep. if you if you make one choice at, at the right time, no matter what you've done after uh, or before, rather, yep, then sure. you will you will receive that ending. So uh, it's kind of interesting in that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's some of them where you kind of think back and you're like, oh, that was very much the key decision I made. And and somewhere you need the key decision plus a certain amount of points into your stats. We'll get to that. Don't worry. It's not it's not an RPG in that sense. You just get to make a few choices. And, and yeah, the stats kind of matter in a couple of routes to tip things and just open up an extra bit of dialogue on the end of an ending or something. Yeah, I did. I did a lot of the route. I, I don't know, maybe six or seven of them before I went to a guide because I, you know, I, I did I did want to see where just poking around got me before I did yeah. that. And then I decided, OK, well, I want I definitely want to get the rest of these endings. So I'm going to go ahead and just do the the most direct way to do that. Um and so I think yeah. I probably would have lucked into all of them eventually. There's not too much that's very obscure. Uh, I think if you just keep trying different stuff, you will probably get most of them, uh, if not all. I feel like I'd have been in danger of making a save point at every key decision and trying both and like working at almost brute forcing the results I wanted to try. And, yeah. But actually, yeah, no, I did the same. I got the original endings I got just playing through and making the choices I'd want to make and happened to get to an ending that I was satisfied with, which was kind of a bad thing in some ways in that it meant I felt like I'd got a bit like Mass Effect where I don't want to go back through and play the other way because this was my way, if you see what I mean. So that put me off mm. playing the the rest, but well, I, th- I think that's what happened with me the first time when I mm. when I was playing on the Vita. That's more or less what happened with me. I, I played through a couple. I played it through once, and you know, just made my own choices, and maybe mm. played it through again another time, and then just went, okay, well, I'm satisfied. This is <laughs> what I would have done. So okay. But yeah, cer- certainly I pulled up a guide at some point just to make sure. Actually, it was a, a trophy guide I pulled up. I found the easiest way because that steered clear mm-hmm. of any story spoilers, which was really useful. So Yeah, I mean, as mentioned before, the uh, the guides for these games are often very much just, here is a list of the decisions that you yeah, make, yeah. and they're all, yeah, it's all just things like yes or go alone. Yeah, yeah. 
speak to whoever. Which, which without any of the context really doesn't mean anything, but it does mean yeah. you can look at the date in the top left corner, check the date against the list of decisions, and you just know what you need to press. So yeah, it's, it's kind of good in that way. So we kind of went from gameplay in the direction of story there, but I just want to pull us back a second. I've mentioned that Hatomoa is a manga artist and writer. You would think the art would be a big factor in this game, and it is, but I'm not sure there's going to be that much to say about it because it's kind of all coherent around a, a certain theme. It's all kind of pictures of birds. Like It's a lot mm. of pictures of birds. <laughs> yeah, with that weird kind of green screen cut out outline around them. I don't want to say clip art because it sounds like I'm having a go and I'm not, but if you imagine you're putting together like a clip art poster where you're just kind of pasting things on the sort of thing you'd see a lot of on like kids tv and that sort of thing that's bright and bold and really clear not much clutter just big bird in the middle a name not big bird a big bird in the middle (laughs) name there uh, fairly large text box sometimes covering stuff that you seem to want to know what's going on in the background but the text box is there like lower third of the screen is all text box date in the top left hand corner and it's just bright and it's clearly in in these cases it's a photo of a bird that has been kind of edge traced round uh lifted out and put on as uh, john you said with kind of an edge enhancement around it like a border around it and except for okosan who is still a, a, a drawn which is funny because that's the one that is an actual <laughs> one, yeah. someone's yeah. pet yes <laughs> <laughs> we should also say it's not just birds because when you start the game one of the options is do you want to enable the option to use a car- some in-game piece of technology to be able it's to like visualize the birds exactly yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i th- so mm. yeah go john absolutely go yeah um the impression that i got from this with my fairly limited knowledge of other sort of similar japanese mm. things is that this was kind of supposed to be a visual aid to show you these are kind of the anime stereotypical characters that these birds are portraying. Sure. Yeah. So you've got you've got kind of the the um, the kind of the drab pigeon guy who's like your old friend is just kind of a you know regular looking guy, but then you've got the the sinister doctor and the um, the sort of the haughty looking um, bird, posh yeah, bird. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was the only thing that I could draw from this uh, is oh these pictures are yeah it's it's supposed to help yeah, you shorthand. see what their personalities are supposed to be before you really get to know them very well. Which is kind of funny to me because like you I I never played it without that. I never just said no. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember that the first time I played it, I thought about saying no because I thought that what it might do was replace them, replace the birds yeah. with actual uh actual human characters through the whole thing and it doesn't it just shows you a a sketch or a uh an an art asset of um what this bird would presumably look like if they were a human when they're introduced uh Mm. and then for the rest of the game they are still the bird so um it's it's an interesting choice there John, would you be so kind as to read out Simon Sloth's forum comment, please? Of course. So Simon Sloth says, I am probably one of the few people who found the elevator pitch of Pigeon Dating Simulator off-putting, but once I saw the reviews, heard of Devolver's involvement, and it was given away on PlayStation Plus, I had no excuse. During the period of time this was released, my PlayStation Vita had become something of a visual novel machine, with the likes of Virtue's Last Reward, Danganronpa, and Steinsgate occupying my attention. 
My personal preference when it comes to these games is to have some gameplay or interactivity alongside the often engaging narrative. This is where Hatterful Boyfriend fails to meet my personal preferences. I love the characters, the branching narrative, and it's all quite bonkers, but with each subsequent playthrough I became fatigued by seeing the same sequences repeatedly. The ability to speed through the dialogue was welcomed, but without any interactive elements I personally found it less engaging than, say, Virtue's Last Reward. It seems unfair to criticise a game for something it fails to do rather than for what it actually is. Unfortunately, I can't divorce it from the moment in time I played it and the games within the same genre. Having said all of this, I saw all the endings, got all of the trophies and thoroughly enjoyed it. Payoff for unlocking the true ending and how it unravelled made some of the more repetitive moments absolutely worthwhile. Thank you very much and thank you to Simon Soth for posting. As always Mm. with the forum, we have threads for all of our upcoming shows throughout this whole volume. Um, and you are more than welcome to go to canerins.com forward slash forum and find the thread there for the show you want to give us feedback on. And Simon Sloth did. Um, yeah, I thought it was just interesting there uh, to say this is obviously someone who has seen all of the endings, got all of the story, but what we were talking about where you have to repeat a lot of the sequences clearly without more any like puzzles or anything like that, there wasn't the engagement there for uh, Simon Sloth, so... That there scenario, uh, I guess you've got the idea by this point that we're talking about a world in which birds are essentially intelligent. So, how did we get there? Uh, this is set in a school called St. Pidgeo Nation's School in the year 2187. Yes, that's right, folks. We know what the future looks like and it's bird-shaped. You will not <laughs> get this from one playthrough of the game you will probably not get this from several you may not even get all of this until you go to wikis and start reading but after the h5n1 that's avian flu to uri virus outbreak humans attempted to wipe out birds so worried that the virus spreading through birds would jump to people and would kill people as was the concern back in i guess late 90s early 2000s probably around that time so humans uh in the game uh fired up operation carniades apologies for pronunciation it's a greek name my greek's not fantastic trying to wipe out birds basically in order to save humans they decided just to wipe out all birds inadvertently uh they tested this on pigeons and gave them human level intelligence which then subsequently spread to all birds and made not one bit of difference to humans they were uh, then uh, prone to dying off from catching avian flu and did in great numbers human numbers dwindled bird numbers soared as they became more intelligent and started to rebuild civilization and became the dominant now i said species but technically that's not true because bird is not a species it's a class of animals in the kind of phylum class different branches of the of the kind of animal tree as it were um so they are a different class uh, and they became dominant on the planet and that means that because humans are humans and this game posits that some birds can be like that as well a war between birds and the remaining humans has persisted in the 170 years presuming that the avian flu outbreak took place roughly when it did in our timeline Uh, so 170 years an ongoing war has occurred there are now attempts to broker peace between humans and birds and that includes an experiment where they are introducing a human student to St. Pidgeo Nation's school. That's the character you play as for most of the game, but it, for the predominantly that's who you play as, and it's a year-long experiment through one entire school year as a sophomore student. 
in theory, you don't know anything about the fact that it's an experiment for you to be there until you get to the failure ending, probably. Because that's the first time at which it's said that you have failed the experiment and the punishment for that is you are going to be killed, basically. Um, so yeah, it, it, this is not all apparent from the beginning of the game. This is stuff you have to kind of piece together, but it is kind of the backdrop to what's going on. Um, it's it's kind of weird not to know what's going on when you go into the game, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think that this is something that has been done a lot in more recent uh, visual novels and things mm-hmm. as well. They're... Um, the game that was uh turned out to be a horror game i think it's doki doki literature yep. club from a few years ago kind of played on a very similar theme of like it, you feel a little bit in this that you've been catfished in with this promise of you know strange anime pigeon dating mm-hmm. game and then suddenly after playing through it a half a dozen times it turns into something extremely sinister and much more in depth than mm-hmm. you know the kind of the cute jokey premise that you were originally given so in that respect you know i I think on one hand props to them for sort of pulling the wool over your eyes but it's also very strange the idea that you go into this with so little kind of outside knowledge and your character doesn't really explain anything to you that's unusual and as as i said before you just sort of notice things that are weird like that one shot of the um the buildings that are collapsing and if you if you start paying a bit more attention and start thinking about it you might notice that your character seems to live in a cave on a cliffside sure. rather than <laughs> in any sort of um Actual board, yeah. yeah so there's there's like these weird little clues mm. that I th- i'm sure are designed as you play through it those those first few times to make you scratch your head a little bit and yeah. think what on earth's actually going on but uh, yeah the the absolute minimal level of any sort of exposition that they they give you off the bat is Hmm. almost applaudable in a way that they're that they're so bold to just let you go at it yeah it's interesting because yeah it sounds like the premise of the game is just pure quirk dating simulator but it's all birds and you're the you're also a human because that that's a, a twist on okay it's a dating simulator where all the love interests are birds and i'm a bird kind of feels okay weird but also now I'm a human. Okay, that's now things are getting messy. Which they actually talk about, and that's mm-hmm. kind of weird too. Like yeah. towards the end of so, like if I, I think it's in um uh oh gosh, in one of the endings you're speaking to uh your your chosen love interest. I think it might be Ryuda's, Um, where it, you know you're talking about oh well if we if we are together and we get married, you know doves have a much lower lifespan than humans. Yep. So you know you'll be you'll be getting old, and I'll just I only have so many years like. Mm-hmm. yep everybody seems to be cool with this so uh okay i guess yeah and there's another one of the characters i think it's the one that's the brother of the really haughty guy i think his name's yuta or yuya, yuya. 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 yeah it's uh, yuya yes he makes some comment to you at some point of like don't worry us doves reach sexual maturity within less than a year of our lives or something like that uh-huh. <laughs> the point he says that comes off his brother out of the blue and I mean, a, a little his, bit his whole character is being know. suggestive and likes to think of himself as a quote-unquote ladies man but yeah it's, so it's not entirely it's not out with his character to be like that but yeah it, it addresses the fact that yeah this is a world in which birds and humans are on largely equal footing despite being at war and human numbers dwindling etc they're on largely equal footing as intelligent civilized species in the world that's the world this game posits 
and and yet in order the the whole premise of the experiment is that humans should prove that they can not just get along with birds but can be in relationships to the point of romantic relationships which the endings of some of these stories don't make any bones about this is a an issue of love this is not an issue and and not just familial love but actual romantic interest that's a weird stipulation to have made that humans should have to be able to fall in love with birds in order for us to understand they can be peaceful so uh, to say all of that the goal i think we've actually asserted as as you know that it held true the goal uh, as stated by hatomoa was to create something that seems ridiculous and crazy at first glance but that once you look into the world, you would fall into the depth. Almost everything I have said about this story is you don't know what you're in for until you get into it, which kind of speaks to that. It's a crazy, you know, uh, 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 ridiculous is the best word, I suppose, premise. That goes much further than you would expect. I think that's a good summation. I mean, I, I will absolutely say that I didn't play this expecting at first to really have much of a story. It's mm-hmm. just, <laughs> look, it's it's birds and you're dating them. That's funny, right? Yeah. Like, I yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't have any expectations along those lines. Even playing something like Doki Doki Literature Club, which we mentioned before, like I knew that there was some other stuff there before I played that. I think most people probably, if they are into that kind of thing, have have maybe expectations of that particular one if they're going into it at this point um but this one yeah just just thought it was bird dating that's all i've just realized talking about all of this for whatever reason i have played another dating simulator it was dream daddy Mm -hmm. ah yeah fantastic let's i just wanted to say that because i don't want to you know realize after the fact that i've misspoken dream daddy's great yeah leah would you read alex's very short piece of forum feedback that we have here please Certainly. Uh, so Alex79UK from the forum says, I did download this to my Vita to play along with to try to play along with the show, but found the opening hour a bit boring and struggled to keep going. Might go back to it, though. Plenty of time. Uh, yeah, speaking to our modern era there, plenty of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah thank you, Alex79UK. I thought worth saying because we've all been talking about this game goes places, as I've mentioned several times, mm-hmm. and we are going to get to the places. Yeah, it, I, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that anyone who doesn't find the premise and the opening hour engaging, because opening hour is probably long enough to get through a playthrough, I would think. If you don't find that engaging, I wouldn't necessarily, but there's more. There's a lot more here. In terms of story, I wasn't sure how to do this, so I ended up thinking we kind of have to break this down by birds and endings, because those are the routes that you're taking through the game. And they all bleed into one another, and then we'll get to the final BBL playthrough and ending at the end of it all but that kind of works chronologically if i do it by ending number which is only really relevant for the trophies i guess it's not really recorded it states it when you get the ending which ending number you got but i don't think you can find out in game which endings which or that they should come in a certain order i think it's arbitrary but along with um you know very stereotypical visual novel kind of thing that one of the other main menu options is a gallery which shows you a number of the little ending um, the cards you get whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cards but also there's a um along with the gallery there's a i don't remember what it's called there's a second option that is um similar to the gallery except you start to unlock kind of blurbs uh or notes about what's really going on okay that 
until I, I mean until you get to some of the later endings they don't make a whole lot of sense or at least they didn't to me <laughs> but um yeah if you if you kind of go back and look at them afterwards uh, it, it, they're like little file folders almost that um yeah it's like you you have found some research notes laying around and this is where they end up so the clues are there you just have to know where to look so you have a you are a rene- renameable protagonist. I left the name as is, and that name is Hyoko Tosaka. Uh, for all of these names, I'm going by the name they're listed as in the game, and then when we're given a single name for them, uh, we'll use that one as their their given name. That would mean if these names are surname first name that people are always referred to by their surname, and I'm not sure that's right. I think these names might actually be written in the the English. Um, format of first name surname because everyone's therefore after thereafter referred to uh, maybe it is their surname because the teacher is also referred to by surname either way we're sticking with what they say in the game so your character's name is hyoko tosaka uh known as hyoko as also mentioned she is a sophomore student at pidgeon nation school and the only human student you are given no more information than that when you start off the game the first bird I believe you meet is your oldest friend, Ryuta Kawara, um, who is a rock dove. Uh, his name is a pun on rock dove, as many of these are. A lot of these names are puns on the type of bird that they are um, and other aspects as well. Uh, my Japanese is non-existent, so I won't go into all of that, but you can find some of that information out. Hyoko actually rescued Ryuta, um, who fell out of the nest at a very young age. Uh, Hyoko came along, saw the bird there, injured but alive, and managed to lift him up and put him back into the nest. He also holds down several jobs in order to support his ill mother and is himself quite sickly a lot of the time, meaning that if you don't know where he is, he's probably gone to the uh, infirmary. His story is, I guess, the most typical of these in that he is a character you clearly already have a history with he's in your class he um is a friend so therefore you have a re- existing relationship and there's no difficulty to overcome there the key decision you have to take is that you have to look for a job in the summer and then when you're offered the job give it to Ryuta instead because he needs the work you are you know giving that to him and that's kind of the key decision you have to make there before we get to the specifics of the ending, um, Ryuta, his character and story, anything to kind of cover on on that? Well, I don't know if we want to get into this now or if we want to hold it, but um, he is actually one of the more important characters in the end, uh, as he is the one that you actually end up playing as during the uh, the extended ending. So, uh, I mean, he's, it's, it's not, um, during the main part of the story, he's, you know, just one of the, one of the paths that you can take, but you will see a lot of him if you choose to, uh, to go for the extended ending as well. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that he almost feels like kind of the, the obvious choice or like the, the path of least resistance when it comes to these games. Um, even to the point where, and I don't know what the actual, you know, uh, reasoning for this is but whenever things pop up where there's a choice of like which character do you want to talk to which character do you want to do this with uh, his name is usually at the top yeah. of that list and he's the first ending i mean we talked about that they probably don't mean a whole lot but uh i i that makes sense he's kind of the the one the 
the canon uh, yeah. end- ending, I guess, um, which also kind of makes sense in um, when you play if. I like I said I only just started it, but uh, if you play the Holiday Star stuff, yeah, okay, it seems to kind of lean towards that that you probably uh, were with Ryuta, and uh, also makes sense. So because the extended ending, you have to start off playing an average school year, and therefore you have to go along one of the routes to get far enough to trigger the extended ending. It ki- I didn't play for the the Ryuta route, if we want to call it that for that extended ending playthrough. And I kind of wish I had, because I felt like it would have made more sense if I did. I think it works with any of the characters, because they're all more or less one way or another involved. But it's so much about Ryuta. There's a lot Mm -hmm. about all of them, but the fact that you then switch over and play as him makes a bit more sense to me, I think, if when you're going for the extended ending, you're playing his route to begin with, I, I would say. So his ending is that his mother dies and he comes to Hyoko to console and to and um, she says, look, I think we should be together, declares her love for him. He says largely that he feels the same, but as you said, Leah, he's reluctant to enter a relationship because humans live longer than birds and he doesn't feel that he can condemn her to the suffering that he's currently feeling having lost his mother. Hyoko, we find out, is also an orphan. Ryuta's father has died previously and now his mother is gone. And I think the end of that, my feeling was that Hyoko's probably won him round to the notion that, no, we need to love despite the the pain that we'll feel down the line because that's what life is, is kind of the message I think I took away. But it certainly wasn't a straightforward love story at the end. There's the heartache there and it comes out of, uh, you know, Ryuta's mother dying anyway. Um, so the next of the endings, and in some of these cases, this being one, there are a couple of endings and usually it's just, you do one or two things different and you get an extension to the ending. It doesn't necessarily fundamentally change the ending, but you get a bit more after, uh, what, what happens. So the next bird, John, would you like to introduce and talk about a figure? We'll share duties on this. Uh, sure. So the next, uh, next bird is, uh, Sakuya Labelle. I presume that's Shirogane. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. Not Shiro, Shirogane. So he's a fantail pigeon. Uh, claims to be the noble bird, sort of um, uh, what? What's the uh, sort of heir to the Labelle family? Which is never, never really explained what the Labelle family is. But you know, he's one of those um, kind They're of noble up himself, birds. Up himself <laughs> birds who who assumes that everybody thinks that it's fantastic that he's the heir of this family. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's. He's probably one of the more entertaining routes to go down <laughs> because he's largely quite an unpleasant character, yeah. both to your your own character and basically to mm-hmm. everybody else. There's an awful lot of kind of classist calling other birds mongrels or uh, sort of in um, in ways that if it were humans doing it to each other might be a little bit more kind of sort of considered racist? to be... The word you're looking for is racist. <laughs> I he was I was going to say ableist, but yeah, I think that well, is that also too. correct. Yeah. Like yeah. this bird would be well, throwing he, around some slurs if it was. He's he's French. They present him as this is a French bird, uh, mm. and in multiple places he's like, oh, you he. There are definitely some Japanese slurs in there um, that he that he throws out um, when he is displeased with something that is happening. I'm sure there's also something to be said for. Uh, despite the fact that he is technically a pigeon rather than a dove, there's definitely some um, 
you know, looking down on some of the other uh, the other breeds, despite the fact, I mean, the one that he clashes most with is Okusan, who is supposedly also a fantail pigeon. Yep. Um, yet he keeps referring to him as being sort of a lesser breed yep. or being a mongrel, which is, yeah, I mean, maybe that same sort of um, or, or his half brother, who's also a fantail pigeon. So yeah, yeah, he actually pushes away the two fantail pigeons more. Maybe because yeah. he doesn't want to be mistaken for them or or seen on an equal level with them, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's he's certainly um, a choice when you <laughs> decide that you want to date this pigeon. Um, it was so one if you that like I, to take the difficult route, then then yeah, try and warm up. The, is this that? Um, what's that horrible phrase like? Oh, uh, oh, oh, keep them. I know uh, this. Yep. Keep them keen, treat them mean, or the other way oh, around. No, that that wasn't it. Yeah, no. It's, <laughs> I was going to say, um, oh shoot, there's a term for a, a type of stereotypical anime character that it's Sundere, is that right? All right. I think. I've yet to know. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You're asking the wrong people. Somebody here. will know. Somebody I'll nod will along know. and assume you're right until we hear the other one. I think that's it. But it's it's like a, a an anime character who's like, oh, I don't like you, you yeah. know, but is secretly like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's what yeah. I'm thinking of. Yeah, the, the kids pushing um, each other in the playground type thing. And again, I think there's a huge amount more about Sakuya in the For extended sure. yeah, ending yeah, uh, tied into the a couple of the other characters Yuya and um, Okusan also their their kind of playthroughs touch on mm. him as well but um, obviously it's it ends up that he has uh, two separate endings here where they're both kind of they both run along the same lines of you realize that maybe the um, you know the reason that he's such a miserable bugger is because actually he's not very happy about his home life and he's more, uh, you know, more wants to explore his passion for music, yeah. uh, despite the fact that his his father obviously doesn't agree with that, and you know, it's obviously not um, not considered to be uh, fitting for a noble bird or yeah. some nonsense like that. So you you have two separate endings where he he sort of runs away from home and confides in uh, in Hiyoko, and yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of an obvious thing that there's going to be something like that that happens, but. It's kind of nice to see a little bit of a turnaround from him. Yeah, for sure. And to get the so the the first ending, he runs away from home, and Tioko encourages him to go back and to actually face up to his father and state his passion for music and really fight for his right to explore that passion. The full ending, you have to have taken all music classes as well as making the right choices, um, and then at that point. Sakuya is actually kicked out, comes to live with Hyoko. So again, not a happy ending in that sense, uh, but does become a musician. And then you receive what is one of the kind of key clues that something's going on with these particular characters. You receive a note from Yuya, Sakuya's older half brother, to say that I'm glad he's happy. Um, please, you know, look after him. And I've got something when you think he's ready. I need to reveal to him, which is kind of hinted at in that. Um, Sakuya is kind of pushing Yuya away as as a mongrel, as not worthy because he's only a half brother and not a full brother. And th- there's a sense that Yuya's taking this on the chin more than he needs to, and it's because there's more to that, um, as John said. So, Leah, this uh, next bird, would you care to introduce? Sure. Uh, so, the next bird that we have here is Nageki Fujishiro. Uh, who is a morning dove. Uh, you run into him, uh, yeah, I guess, maybe midway through the game, um, You or midway through whatever playthrough you are doing. Uh, he is in the library when you meet him, and in fact, you find out that uh, he's always in the <laughs> library 
and there is again i we're gonna keep saying this there there is more to his character uh his backstory uh once you get into some of the later game stuff but the the important thing that you kind of learn through the course of his storyline is that he actually cannot leave the library at all. And uh, if you get to the end of his, um, his storyline, uh, you find out that only you can actually see him and uh, he disappears at the end uh, because ghost pigeon, I guess. Um, yep. Not even, I guess it is. It is in fact a ghost pigeon. I think this was actually the first storyline that I actually went for, like that I was aiming for. You know, you got the the smart bookish dove who's who's in the library. So I I like that. I like and that. Let's go. His his so playthrough also feels a little separate from the rest because you have to join the library uh, staff as your club, and then it's only when you're in the library doing that that. You, you have to a- actively opt out of other stuff. Like you can't sure. go to the the sports yeah, yeah. the sports festival. You have to actually say nope. I'm, I'm going to the library instead. Bye. Um, so kind of once you're but on yeah, that I, path, I you kind of right. get what you have to do to see it through. And and it it talks about like she's worried that he's being bullied, and that's why he's always in the library, and why no one else seems to speak to him. And then yeah, eventually you realize that just as they real they uh, reveal their love for one another, that satisfies whatever he had to do to to resolve his reason for being there and he disappears. But yeah, again, another character that we learn a lot more about um, later on. The next character, Yuya Sakazaki, is the uh, the half-brother that was mentioned. Also a fantail pr- pigeon, uh, half-brother of Sakuya, assistant to Shu. So uh, in this uh, playthrough, you have to go to the infir- infirmary uh, and kind of do as much there as you can. Whenever you can go to the infirmary, you're going there. He also fancies himself a ladies' man. He thinks himself suave and is making inappropriate comments. And actually, one of the ways you get to this ending is calling him on those inappropriate comments and telling him he's being rude and kind of helping him grow. And you also have to cover for him when he's lying about where he was. Um, Is eventually revealed in his ending to be a Dove Party agent. There are two bird parties who have opposing views on what should happen with humans. The Dove Party want to have peace with humans. The Hawk Party want to very much not have peace with humans and the other thing. Uh, and he is spying on the Doctor, Shu. That's kind of what you get from him. He he ruffles feathers with his brother a bit, but other than that, you kind of don't see much of him if you're not going after him or Shu's path, which is the path that you can spend a lot of time on uh, going through various different routes. But yeah, that's that's him. And the next bird, uh, John, would you tackle that one, please? Next bird, best bird. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> supposedly a thing in uh, dating sort of style culture. Uh, next one is Oko-san, who's another fantail pigeon. He's kind of the um, the opposite side to uh, Saku. He's, I mean, they're kind of rivals. There's lots of points where they're arguing with each other or um, fighting with each other. Um, an interesting point about uh, Oko-san is that apparently this is Hatomoa's own pet mm-hmm. bird, presumably pet fantail pigeon, called Oko-san. And I think somebody pointed out that the picture that's uh, used of him in yeah. game is um, actually the picture of the bird. Yes. So, it, sure, I mean, this <laughs> already points towards Oko-san, <laughs> but uh, he's... <laughs> He's kind of, uh, you describe him here as a jock bird looking for pudding and a fight, which, yeah, I mean, that's, that seems, that's very um, uh, simplistic way sure. of looking at it. But it's also um, 
probably about as far as his character goes. Like most of the time, you find Okosan he's uh, running or bragging about his uh, his running skills or uh, shouting about the fact that he's looking for pudding or trying to fight people or argue with people about the lack of pudding <laughs> or the unsatisfactory <laughs> level of said pudding. And the way he goes on about it, you think that it's, you know, surely this is a code word for something. He can't actually mean, you know, pudding, pudding yeah. chocolate pudding, rice pudding or something. But, um, yeah, I, I think he, he does really just mean pudding. Even to the yeah, even to the point where you send him to a convenience store, they must have some kind of pudding, and he comes back and attacks mm. you because there wasn't yeah. any. So it must be a very specific pudding he's looking for, because you know, it's just... Yeah. Well, it is, as you Absolutely. find out in yeah. his full yeah, ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty humorous, and he has um, a number of uh, points where he's fighting with other birds where it, um, it almost kind of pops up as if he's... Um, He's sort of doing Pokemon-style attacks. It, you know, he keeps talking about um, Okusan does wing attacks. Wing swipe, yeah, does, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, his charge body slam or something like that. And I suppose it's it's also somewhat relevant, although I'm not really sure what the um, significance of it is. Uh, all of his dialogue scenes are... It's just him saying coo-coo, yes. and then it has the actual wording in brackets <laughs> after that. And that's something that stands out from basically all of the other birds, but I'm not really sure what the no, um, I say what the significance of that is. It might again just be another kind of wacky joke. Well, actually, I have an answer for this. Oh, excellent. Um, surprisingly, uh, so they do talk, uh, I, and I don't remember whether this is in the extended ending or whether they actually. I think they actually get into some of it in just the game proper, um, but they talk about how he's uh, kind of an older breed, which it seems like what they mean by that is that he's not maybe as advanced. Like they, they talk about, I, I, we've mentioned Brian, the pigeon, um, but when, when they talk about kind of how all of oh. this came about, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't just an automatic, you know, snap and everybody Everyone is, is yeah. just immediately uh, an intelligent pigeon. There's kind of a gradual process to that. Okay. So he is, it's not that he's like an evolutionary throwback or anything. It's just that he's a little bit older in, in the sense that he did not, he hasn't quite evolved maybe as far as the rest of them. So like, he's not, it's not that there's something wrong with him. No. It's just that he is literally not quite there he's yet. He's intelligent, but not got language skills, essentially. Yeah, right. Okay. He's, he's makes sense. a little bit of an older breed, I think is maybe yeah. what they call it. It's something like okay. that. that. That makes sense. So, so he's yeah. literally he, cooing in there. But he's great, and yeah, I love him yeah. anyway, because he's ridiculous. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. and, and of the characters we've seen so far, hands down, the, the funniest storyline to go through, and, and kind of what I expected from a pigeon dating sim as daft as that sound this is what i kind of expected it would just be weird and wonderful and no really no dark undercurrent even like you start suspecting as you said that there's something else going on he's not really looking for pudding and then you realize no he is and he like so his first ending you get to not the end of the school year not quite and you find out he's going to leave to go in search of pudding and I think there's at that point some, he explains that there's Lord Pudi who is the Lord of all pudding and he needs to go and find the perfect pudding so he can find Lord Pudi, whatever. And you can agree to go with him. Uh, and Hyoko does in ending number six and then ending number seven, you not only, uh, so you have to have done, I think, all gym classes and 
go to the the track team as your your club and you have to give an answer in response to him talking about Lord Pudi and you have to it's like the one option is the pudding is invincible, and the other option is something about the the it's like his golden chariot yeah, or something riding other. in. And on yeah. Depending <laughs> on which of that you choose, you can not only agree to go, but the ending then extends to where you actually find the pudding, and Okosan is revealed to be Lord Pudi or a new incarnation of Lord Pudi, and gains the power to cover the earth in pudding, which is literally the end of this story. <laughs> And you finally see the pudding, and it is—it looks like a creme caramel, yeah, with or something. chocolate and a cherry on top. Yeah, it's yeah, it looks good. And that's a, that's a good <laughs> yeah. ending. No, this is, this is... I don't know. <laughs> I enjoyed you certainly it. Certainly think yeah. so. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was a fan. I, I, I did get a lot of entertainment out of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Leah, could you talk us through Kazuaki uh, just quickly? Uh, so we've got Kazuaki Nanaki, who uh, is also known under the name, as we find out in the extended ending, Hitori Uzune. Um, this is your teacher, uh, who you can pursue a romantic storyline with, which may be a little bit uncomfortable, but you can. If you get to kind of the end of his storyline, he it, it's all very mysterious. Like you you are led to believe you find his wallet at, at one point or no, no, I'm sorry. It's his phone. You find his phone and there's like a photo tucked in with it that's been scribbled along and you're kind of led to believe that, oh, this is a long lost love yeah. maybe, or uh, it's somebody he won't, he won't really talk about it, but he, he also will not have a relationship with you as his student. So good on him. Um, but says, you know, if, if, if after you graduate and, and we're, you know, if you still feel this way, come back for me, you know, but, uh, as it turns out, the scribbled out picture is not any kind of relationship. Uh, it is one of the other pigeons that you meet. So I guess we'll we'll get into that shortly. Yeah, absolutely. If any of the previous stories sounded disturbing, this one in the first seven, this is the last of the initial seven, takes the biscuit. So through some of the other stories, you will have heard that the doctor's a bit off. People go there and maybe go missing, but no one's really sure. The doctor seems a bit odd. You've done Yuya's um, story, so you'll know that he's a bit off just in the way he speaks to people. Doesn't like people touching his desk. uh, Wants distance from students, but also seems to... It's just something not right about him. So the character's name is Shu Iwagime, also known as Isasuma. Um, under a previous name that you you find out from one of the other pigeons, um, is a chucker partridge, a doctor at the school, also hinted at and revealed that he's a member of the Hawks party, carrying out some kind of program or something at the school. It's a bizarre one. You really like need to go for this because I can't imagine anyone wanting to date the doctor based on what you find out about him initially. That wouldn't be a choice I would necessarily go for. Um, And he basically rebuffs anything you have to say to him all year long, but seems to get a little bit more interested, not in you, but in why you're interested in him. Uh, I think it's fair to say. And at the end, as Leah, you said, you discover what's going on. You don't cover for Yuya. Yuya then disappears. Uh, Shu sends you a turkey at Christmas and a nice quill pen that's a nice white fantail pigeon feather quill and um, then leaves dismembered body parts in the infirmary for you to find, corners you and kills you after pointing out that the turkey at Christmas wasn't a turkey, it was in fact Yuya. 
so uh, in ending nine uh, Shu essentially as he's about to kill you promises that your remains are going to be useful for research and appreciates that you care so much for him that you're willing to d- donate your body for research ending 10 if you're wisdom if you essentially do math class all year then ye- you still die you I, I assumed high wisdom stat maybe <laughs> i can get myself out of this or trap him or what no you still die but Shu has kept your head he's experimented on your body and probably your brain but he's kept your head essentially preserved in a i assume a jar and has <laughs> fallen in love with that head and is on the run from Dove Party agents who found out what he was up to and want the head back because it's a it's a key piece of evidence or a sacred experimental relic or something. I don't know. They refer to it in a weird way that makes me think, why would they think this human's head's important? But anyway, he, Shu decides that he can't get away, but he can't let them have your head. So asks you, he will only destroy your head if you reveal that you truly loved him asks if you loved him and you have three options all of which are yes so he then destroys your heads and you hear the sound of him being cornered and gunned down by the hawk party agents it is for such a dark story it is such a weird and bizarre story as well uh and and oddly kind of fun no i can't no i can't say fun no <laughs> it's dramatic it it's, it it has, right. there's a lot there yes <laughs> it's definitely dramatic but yeah definitely uh, weird and wonderful i am glad i didn't do these ones again and had entirely forgotten <laughs> about them until right now we get to places with you in the in the extended ending anyway but yeah and 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 your head, severed head. <laughs> so the the next bird, we're on to the uh, first of the added birds in the various different versions that came out. Uh, Angel, we've mentioned a couple of times before, but uh, Leah, would you talk us through Angel? Yeah, so uh, Angel, you, you do have to unlock, as we said. He is a, a bit of a mm. weird one. Uh, they kind of present him, and, and you find out a little bit more about why later, but they kind of present him as a bit delusional. Like he believes that he is just this JRPG character who, you know, is, is very, has a very detailed backstory. Um, he refers to, uh, your character as Edelblau, uh, and Shu as, uh, Wallenstein, the evil sorcerer. Uh, and, and yeah, he, he's not completely out of it. Like he can function in, in the world around him. And, uh, but he, it, it, he sees things the way that he wants to see them or the way that he believes that they are rather than kind of how they actually are. Um, so the endings that the ending rather that you get mm. for him is pretty wild, actually, because it's the only time I think that you fight something. Um, and, and it's still I don't know if you can lose that fight or not. Um, I I. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, but I did not have very many uh, points left, health points left when when I got there. Yeah. Because you, um, throughout the game, you you or throughout his storyline, you see that he is uh, he thinks that there's something wrong in the infirmary, uh, and he keeps kind of trying to go in there because uh, he he thinks that she is this evil sorcerer and he wants to uh, destroy whatever it is that he's trying to do. Uh, so in his ending, you find out that he's actually correct, and uh, there's this crazy tree that is also a bird and is destroying everything through releasing these evil spores. And you have just a straight up turn-based fight with it um, that 
uh, it, I mean, it's it's still essentially just a you select from a menu of uh, of of options. It's not uh, kind of a full on JRPG. Uh, combat system, but uh, you you do have some choices, and then when you finally win that battle, you find out that you are this angel that um, that he has been referring to you as all along, and um, yeah, you find out essentially that everything that he has been saying is true, and I, I don't think it really notifies you as to whether it it is true or it's just that you are drawn so deeply into what it is that he. Yeah has done and what he believes that you are also seeing it as true, but either way it's, it's a pretty wild uh, storyline yeah. and ending. I yeah, think like with the pudding, it's presented as though this is just true, whether it's yeah. you are placating him or whether it's that you actually now believe all of this as well as a delusion or because it's real. Yeah. The idea is that, um, uh, Hyoko was this angel who, sealed away the dark side of Angel, who refers to himself as the, uh, oh crikey, what is it? Crimson Angel of Judeca. Yes. It's it's out (laughs) there. It's good fun, but it's out there. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, um, we will get back to Angel. There are a couple of other fights, but this is the first one I came across. And so if you're following this, you have to go through the infirmary thing and, and probably you're putting points into wisdom. And the higher your wisdom, therefore, the higher the damage that your spells do. I couldn't work out which option I was to choose I because it's different pairs of spells every time. I just picked the top one every time and mostly did more damage than Hymnesia, the tree bird, was doing. I, I also worked out that you can improve your HP, but... It starts at 800, and if you go to gym class, it only adds 5 every time, so it kind of feels like you're not adding much in terms of percentage, whereas your wisdom starts at 1, and if you go to maths classes, you're adding 5 every time, so suddenly it does jump up quite a bit. I think that that like the um, charms and such that you can get on some of the holidays actually affect that as well, but I'm not sure by how much. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah, actually, that would make a certain amount of sense, because the way that you unlock Angel is you have to have completed one of the other infirmary uh, endings, so either Yuya or one of Shu's endings. And then you will be given the option when you go to the festival, which is the tree that you hang the charm on the paper charm with like the wish that you have, what you want to achieve, you can you can there's a, an extra option comes where it's the uh something about war and it's it, you wish you wish for the love of a fallen angel and something something yeah, like that yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's pretty specific and you know not not something you would expect to see on a list like that yeah, yeah unless exactly. it were going to lead to something like this which obviously it does yeah for sure so so yeah and and then suddenly he just bursts through the window at certain moments i think and and essentially tries to attack you or the person you're with or get into the infirmary and it's just this whole thing where he clearly he's a member of the manga club and people kind of write him off as oh he's just this fanatic who's away with the you know away in the clouds head in the clouds all the time but yeah it's interesting to see the kind of slow realization that he actually knows probably as much if not more than anyone else in this school about what's going on he just doesn't explain it in any way anyone would ever believe yeah, yeah, a very, very cool character to be added in. Um, so another of our added in characters, uh, John, would you like to tell us about the next? So the next one is Azami Koshiba. And this is again, like Oko-san, absolutely one of my favourite uh, storylines that goes on here. Like 
every single scene that you have with this uh, this sparrow. Uh, it says Java sparrow. I assume that's a specific yes, type is, of yeah. sparrow. Yeah. But uh, every single scene, uh, the dialogue and the the goings on in this are just absolute gold comedy <laughs> nonsense. And it's it's kind of completely separate from everything else in the game. And this, I think, this was the first proper ending that I got. Just because you kind of you luck into it really just from making a couple of choices. Um, instead of following any long set path, so the um, the story after the first semester um, turns into uh, there's a like a set scene where Hiyoko decides to to go for a run in uh, during summer vacation. This is where you see the all of the things that she runs past, and they're the quick shots of the shrine and the buildings falling down, that sort of thing. And at the end of the run, um, she just sort of bumps into this this sparrow called Azami, who. Um, in a really bizarre twist, it turns out to be kind of a biker, but she's a biker who puts along on a moped um, that is apparently also part of a biker gang that have extremely strict <laughs> rules about keeping to the highway code, which is, you know, a, a bit of a bizarre oxymoronical choice. <laughs> but it, there's this very amusing scene where this, this sparrow kind of jumps in and she's got very, very cool kind of you know, really rocking guitar background music <laughs> that plays over the scenes that she's in. And maybe also notable because off the top of my head, she might be the only other female character in the entire game. I can't, apart from ones that are mentioned, I can't think of a single yeah. other interaction that you have with female characters. Mm, I think you're yeah, right. I think you're right yeah. In that respect, her story kind of branches off into, into two ways and it all takes place across what can be a fairly short stretch in the summer vacation where you get a choice that is oh, I should get a summer job, yes, no. And if you choose no, it kind of just cuts to the end of summer and nothing else happens. But if you choose to take this job, uh, Hiyoko goes and um, applies for a job at a cafe run by this parrot called Kenzaburo Urushihara. So you have you have this brief storyline where Hiyoko works at this cafe over the summer and um, the only other patron that uh, is... is um, patronizing this cafe is this this yellow budgerigar uh who refers to himself as rabu and there's a scene at some point where hiyoko's leaving work and walking home and she gets accosted by these um uh, punctures <laughs> which i think is is another situation where the birds that are on screen are actually drawings rather yeah. than photos or they may be photos that have got um Been, yeah like microsoft paint things <laughs> plastered over the top of them just- Mohawks yeah. and shades yep. and leather jackets, yeah, it's yep. works. Yep. And earrings, maybe. I want to say, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. It, it's pr- it's pretty entertaining. Um, so you get this scene where uh, Hiyoko is accosted by these punctions, and out of nowhere, the um, uh, the Azami music kind of kicks in, and she sort of jumps in and starts beating them up. Yeah, it's it's kind of this second encounter that you have with this uh, uh, this sparrow, and I think it's it's never really mentioned that the storyline with her is supposed to be a romantic one, like as opposed to all of the others. This ending is not, you know, sort of a going off in romance, but I think it is mentioned a couple of times. Hiyoku's kind of like, oh my god, I love this girl; yeah. she's so incredible. Yeah. But it almost just is in kind of a passing or sort of like an infatuation of wow, this is really cool, rather than anything yeah. romantic at all. And then the the kind of the next scene that comes through is them back in the cafe and um, Azami comes in and starts to starts to kind of get into an argument with Rabu, who she is accusing of being um, the previous leader of their uh, motoring laws, obeying biker gang, uh, which is, is kind of entertaining. 
she apparently used to be infatuated with with Rabu, who it turns out his actual name is uh, Hosokawa Blaster, which is also very, very good. And you get a really nice title card scene again with with his face and the Hosokawa Blaster written underneath it. Very similar to what we were saying before about the uh, the other budgie with uh, JB Leone yeah. written underneath it. Uh, and I, I did wonder a little bit if those two models are the same picture, but um, but kind of flipped from side to side. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I didn't. Sure look into it enough but it's kind of they're very similar looking uh, looking character models but uh, yeah anyway so you get this you get this um, scene with the two of them fighting and you end up with two choices for Hyoko to dis- uh, to uh, say to Azami uh, whether to remind her Azami keeps saying oh, I don't care about this this stupid uh, this stupid budget anymore and she's calling him Mr. Fava Bean and there's another very funny picture <laughs> of his uh, character model with a fava bean over um, the, like the jowls over in the head. bottom of his uh, face yeah yeah Yep, and it does line up shockingly well. <laughs> and yeah, you, you basically you can tell Azami, look, you haven't forgotten about him. And you either remind her of her martial arts training, suggesting that, you know, since you two broke up, you've been uh, doing martial arts training so that at some point in the future you can kick his ass. Or you can remind <laughs> her of the fact that she's still got blaster written on the side of her motorcycle. And um, depending on which which choice you make, if you tell her to kick his ass, she does. And you either get this... Um, this ending point where if you haven't been going to the gym class enough and you haven't got your vitality skill high enough, it, it just kind of finishes and it literally just says like, and the two of them left the story and were never seen again. <laughs> it's, it's almost implied that they kind of Looney Tunes uh, <laughs> fight their way out of the cafe in, in like a, you know, in a big, uh, big ball of dust. Um, but if you have been working your vitality skill, Azami gives you the option to come with her. And there's this really funny little scene where, um, they meet up with the punctions again and they have like a, a very long fight with the, the leader of the punctions and eventually they uh, they kind of run off to form what you've described as a butt-kicking girl gang, <laughs> um, which, yeah, very, very appropriate and you learn the way of the sparrow and I guess the two of you just go off to beat up more punctions and that, end, that ends up being the ending of the game. Again, like, maybe halfway through where you'd be if you were yep. doing any of the more yeah, kind exactly, of yeah. lengthy runs. So that's that's the actual the proper ending, but you can also get this kind of this weird little interim ending with um, Azami, where if you remind her that uh, that she's still got feelings for Blaster um, by the fact that she's written his name on her moped, um, they go off together. And there's this kind of this quirky little scene where it rolls up the credits for a second, and then you get these uh, all these little fourth wall breaking moments with. Um, Hiyoko saying, "Hold on, that's not the ending. This this game's supposed to be about my romance, not theirs." <laughs> and then it just it just kind of yeah, continues, and you and you, you yeah. unlock an ending mid game, yeah. and then the game continues. Yeah, very much. I think it shows that uh, this was added in afterwards because it's playing with the structure that was previously set up in the game in that way that you kind of need to come back to it to add in that extra layer, that meta layer almost. And they get all of this is completely uh, incidental and separate to what's going on in the main game. And you can do all of this and achieve the um, that ending while progressing with any of the other storylines, with the possible exception, I guess, of um, the Ryota one, which maybe you can only go forwards with if you, have you to give, give him, him the job uh, instead of yeah, taking it yeah. yourself. Exactly that. But yeah, so yeah, again, this is one of these fun, ridiculous, quirky little stories. That's yeah, exactly what it, I expected. It's also out of one of those game. things, unlike the shoe route, where you have to do that several times. This one. 
the only time you have to go for a job is if you want to either see the Tarimi Cafe endings you've just described or to do the, the Ryuta route. Other than that, you're as well off skipping the summer job just to kind of get past it. That, it's that separate. Um, not in a kind of go to a menu and select the DLC option, but you can see how it fitted in and, and equally well you can kind of skip by it. In a way that is pleasing because you don't have to go through a load of non-essential uh sort of conversations or anything yeah and it's also a very easy one to um to be following any of the other storylines and then make a save just before the um the decision with his army and if you want to see the the full ending 13 where you run off and do your butt kicking girl gang thing you make the one choice and if you want the other one you get her to fight with blaster and then just continue yeah yeah absolutely yeah nice little side story um which doesn't really uh play into any of the other endings other, other than what we've just said there with the, the job. Alongside that, uh, th- so this one is related, the next bird is related to Shu's storyline. This was added in afterwards. So this is a character that appeared in Holiday Star, but then was added back into the HD remake as an extra route you could take. Uh, this is a golden pheasant called Tori Nishikikuji. Apologies for pronunciation. I hope that was okay. And this is a bird that you have to have completed um, Shu's storyline so that when you next go through that, you will spot in the infirmary a camera. You can just ignore the camera and nothing will happen. You can carry on down whichever of Shu's storylines or Ang Hel's storyline or Yu Yu's storyline. Or the first camera that you spot, you can choose to destroy it because you think it looks suspicious that there's a camera in the infirmary. And then you will make contact with Tori who it turns out is a very one-sided rival of Shu, who he claims had a different name previously. He claims he was called Isa Suma and was the head of a lab that Tori was in the same department but competing for funding and stature with. Tori very much played second fiddle. His lab was his team in the lab was literally called the second lab. And he's developed this very fierce rivalry with um Shu and he wants to now that Shu, he's found Shu again wants to basically kill him and he's developing these weapons these very high-tech scientific weapons like sci-fi ray gun type things that he's going to use on Isa um and Hioko's role in this is to help Tori realize that this rivalry is not only unhealthy but that Shu does not know who Tori is it is a completely one-sided rivalry. Shu did none of this that Tori claims out of malice. It just is he never knew that Tori existed or that his actions were having a negative impact on him. And so what happens is Hioko tries to encourage him to drop the rivalry and just to get on with his life. He refuses but says if Hioko and he were in a relationship, maybe he would put it on pause for a while. That's the ending. It's weird. It's so weird because he, again, yes. he doesn't really <laughs> blend into any of the other, he doesn't fit into any of the other story. But you do find out more about Shu and that why he is a doctor in a high school uh, a little bit, or at least that that's an odd thing for him to be because he was this eminent scientist. So yeah, it definitely has threads that tie in, but Tori himself does not that much. 
So then we get on to, I think, a very quick one. We've talked about the failure ending. If Hyoko fails at any point from about halfway on, which is the earliest you can get it, to prove that she can develop a relationship um, with any of the birds. Uh, John, you said if you're a bit vague in the direction you want to take or the bird that you're interested in, that can happen. There's a couple of the birds that if you make the wrong decision right at the end, uh, that it'll trigger and essentially you get a scene in Hyoko's cave where everything goes pitch black I believe and the hawk party have turned up to assassinate you because you failed the experiment and humans are deemed not worthy of continuing to exist which as John you were saying is kind of like some of these birds have very genocidal tendencies towards humans. It's fairly simple but it can end the game a bit short uh, and you do get a trophy for it but I don't think there's necessarily much more to say than that. Unlike the BBL ending, uh, which I know it's called BBL because it's referred to as that in the trophies, I actually had to look up that it stood for Bad Boys Love because I don't think I spotted it anywhere in the game that it's called this. No, I don't think, I don't so. think so either. Um, I'm looking up to see if... Um, if Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> I was going to look up to see uh, if that was like a thing, like a, a standard um, thing for um, anime or, games or, dating or for sims visual or whatever, novels. Yeah, yeah. Googling BBL just brings up Brazilian butt lift procedure, um, so oh. I don't think it's that. <laughs> Reverse. Leah, turn back. You've gone the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have assumed it would have been a, a porn term otherwise, so... Maybe mm-hmm. don't Google sadly, it. Sadly, yeah, most acronyms are search on. on. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know where that comes from. And I'm also, maybe you're going to tell us, but I'm also not really sure why it would be called the Bad Boys Love Ending. Cause that yeah, that's the one that got me. Because I, I did look it up in, in relation to the game itself, but yeah, no. it doesn't really seem like it it is descriptive of what actually happens. No, which, yeah, likewise, Leah, I kind of thought maybe that's a term that pertains to the genre of game and is kind of a, an in-joke of, of that. Because, yeah, um, I guess it revolves around all of your love interests and not necessarily Hyoko so much, so maybe it's just referring to that, but, I yeah, I don't know why. So on this, I will quickly read a quote from Hato Moa, who says, Because I made the final game based on the character outlines on the April Fool's site, which I came up with in half a day, I can't deny that it might seem that the way the plot is structured is no good in some way. Otome route aside, when I was writing the scenario for the BBL route, it seemed that no matter how I tried, I couldn't get my head clear and into writing, so I caused myself grief every day. In the end, I finally managed to reach what I felt was a point of compromise, but I wonder how it was. My only hope is that the player themselves can enjoy the game. And that is referring to the fact that there are there's a lot of characters you suddenly find out have a different name and are related to other characters, and it kind of relies on a lot of connections, that some of which have been seeded previously, but others of which it's kind of adding in some backstory, so it doesn't all gel together as nicely as as I think um, the creator wanted it to. So they kind of felt like they had to leave a couple of threads unanswered or plot holes kind of type things. Um, I think it works pretty well to tie in these characters. You kind of get to see how some of the characters have grown, how other characters that you haven't seen interact, interact. Uh, So you have to complete uh, routes for Ryuta, Sakuya, Nageki, Yuya... Kazuaki, which is endings one to five and number eight, in order to access this at all. 
in order to get the epilogue on the end, which uh, it makes sense just to complete every ending in the game before you try this one, basically. But Tori's doesn't count to that because it was added on way after the fact. So endings number 1 to 13. Once you've done that, if you start a new game, you will be given the option, and I'm going to get the wording wrong on this, to fulfill your promise, I believe is how it's termed. I think that's I right, think so. yeah. And you're not given any information as to what that is, just you now have the opportunity to fulfill your promise, what do you want to do, and you choose, I will fulfill my promise. Um, if you choose not to, you can just play through the usual routes. But this time around, you start playing a route and you get to... It's like maybe a third of the way through the game. It's like maybe towards summer-ish, I think. I think that's right. Suddenly, you are looking at the game from Ryuta's perspective and Hiyoko has not turned up to school. And we don't know where she is. They kind of think, oh, maybe she's sick, but I, you know, we don't know where she is. And next thing that happens is a bunch of print boxes are delivered to each of the classes with what they think is like pamphlets or tests inside, I think. Each class finds a... Uh, part of Hyoko's body in the box and that is the least of where <laughs> this goes it just goes on a route from there It's uh, so you start playing as Ryuta essentially although I think some parts are from Sakuya's perspective you are now playing the investigation of what happened I don't think we necessarily need to go through all of it but it's long it's a good couple of hours I think it probably took me easily longer mm-hmm. than any other route, even my first route through, you are going through investigations. Mostly any choices you make, you immediately then, like it'll be, I want to go to the lab, but then afterwards you'll go to the infirmary anyway. So it's kind of like just which one you want to do first. There's not any choices that can, I think there might be one that can end the early, but ultimately you're just kind of walking through walking through this storyline. It introduces Leone JB or JB Leone, um, aka Mr. One, as in Le One, I guess, is where that comes from, who is the school janitor who you go to to, I think, unlock something and reveals themselves to be an undercover S-class Dove Party agent working at the school trying to find out why there has been Hawk Party activity at a school that is otherwise known for its pro-human stance. And he indicates that there is at least one, if not more, Hawk Hawk Party agents in the school. There are other Dove Party agents in the school provides a base for Ryuta and Sakuya to go back to during their investigation, also unlocks a tablet and uh, and then appears at the ending as well. So is definitely involved through all of this, but is a character you have seen speak to Yuya once in his storyline and was not really introduced as anything other than the school janitor, I don't think. So yeah, after... The body parts arrive, all the school is called down to the main hall and given a recorded message from, or a a remote message from the headmaster to say that there's been an incident outside the school, a natural disaster, the school is going to be locked down and like literally there is now a metal dome over the school and no one's getting in or out and just basically to stay there, not to leave the, the main hall and that's that. So naturally... Ryuta and Sakuya decide they are going to go and investigate and you go all over the school to places you haven't been, to places you have, uh, interact with pretty much all of the main characters you've encountered before, including including Angel, uh, but not obviously anyone outside the school or I guess Tori doesn't uh, appear. You uncover 
so much backstory in this uh, that it feels like it must have been there before because some of it was hinted at in terms of who Shu really is, um, what happened to Nageki, why Ryuta's sick and seems to get more sick when he goes to the doctor. Essentially, not so much, yeah, a bit of why Kazuaki is the way he is and, and who the bird was that uh, was his love that he lost or the important bird to him that he lost that means he can't love who turns out to be Nageki um, it just goes places I kind of wrote out bullet points but I'm loath just to go through them plot beat by plot beat but it's a trip going through all of this so if if I may I, I can I can try I'll try and uh, and kind of give a a, a bit of a synopsis yeah, here yeah, and, and people can jump in if I miss anything important here. So uh, the plague or the uh, the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, that that has taken over the world since the humans mostly either died out or were overtaken by birds has a, a kind of a weaponized element that some of the birds in notably in the hawk faction have been attempting to research and notably uh, Shu in his former life as a scientist uh, under a different name have discovered that you can infect a carrier bird. You can't just it, it, basically you can't just release this virus into the air. You have to have a carrier bird who is at the same time, weak enough so that they can be infected easily, but also strong enough so that they won't immediately just die from this this poison, so that they can serve as the one that, uh, that infects everybody else. Uh, and the original one that they had found for this was Nageki, who found out what they were doing to him and uh, set the medical, the former medical center on campus uh, on fire and and died in the process. Um, Kazuaki was his brother, or I, I'm not sure if he was like his biological brother, uh, yeah, but they, they grew were up in the same together. orphanage, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, there was a there was a whole disaster where uh, humans and and pigeons faced, or humans and birds faced off. Only they uh, were able to escape, and so they were living together as as brothers. And uh, thinking he was doing a good thing, uh, Kazuaki sends Nageki off to this school uh, where he is unknowingly uh, experimented upon. Yeah, yeah. upon. So Nageki. Or, uh, Kazuaki goes away, comes back with a changed appearance as this teacher so that he can try and find out what happened to his little brother. Meanwhile, his brother is a ghost in the library the entire time. <laughs> and let's see, uh, what, what what am I missing here? Um, so tangentially, the, uh, the, at the orphanage, the older kids, including um, yes. Kazuaki went out to work to support the younger kids. Um, and so he was out when this siege took place. A bunch of human radicals stormed the orphanage to hold, take hostages and basically have demands that were, could birds stop killing us, please? But obviously, in doing so, put a lot of birds' lives at risks. So the humans sent in to negotiators, who were Hyoko's parents. When the uh, humans decided to kill uh, Hyoko's parents, that's when negotiations broke down and the bird uh, police essentially stormed the place and found not only were all the birds, aside from Nageki, dead, 
but all the humans were dead as well, and it's because Nageki had a version of this virus already, and the humans therefore died after having killed the birds. Nageki was the only one to survive other than Kazuaki who was out, so Hyoko is tied up in this as well. As it turns out, Hyoko and Ryuta were there on the day. They essentially not witnessed, but they were outside the building, and Shu was there on the day as well. I think that's all the information we get at this stage, but everything sort of starts tying together in ways that you could absolutely never have foreseen. It's really, uh, uh, really twisty and turny. Uh, the the whole ending takes place uh, within the school, which has been shut off, which has been kind of closed off due to the failure of this experiment. So, you know, they are on this time limit to figure out what's actually happening and get the, uh, get the, either get an, get an escape or um, lift the dome uh, so that it doesn't just end up with the massacre of all the students that are inside. So, I mean, we, we probably don't need to go through the whole thing. If you, if, if any of this sounds interesting, you will probably want to discover some of the plot points for yourself. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there is, so it's, much that happens here. The, the, the yeah. severed head of Hyoko. The severed head of Hyoko gets turned into this mechanical scarecrow thing that is uh, stalking you through most of the epilogue. And yeah, it's it's there's a lot. It's a lot. It's wild. So uh, we've already touched on a little bit. This game, as far as we know, it's on PlayStation Plus. Lots of people have it, but. There's no suggestion that it's sold, it's an indie that sold a million copies or that it's this massively awarded, heavily critically, re- you know, well critically received game. It got a lot of attention because of the premise and a lot of people liked it and talked about it. But it is actually unbelievable almost to me how much merchandise is available. So it started, I believe, with a Kickstarter campaign 2015 and 16 for plush toy lines. Those were successfully funded to, I think the first one was like six times its uh, goal. Um, The second one met its goal uh, as well. There were also, because Pidgeot Nation Inc. is this kind of collective around Hatomo's work, there are uh, books and comics and a webcomic that Hatomo has been involved with that the other people in that collective have been involved with. Uh, there's also a haiku collection. Uh, there are drama CDs that were made, which is like a, a drama play. There was then a web radio series where the same actors came together uh, again to do it. There's a real strong like fan fiction, fan involvement community, uh, cult success around this game that I just hadn't appreciated. Uh, and and today I even added to the notes I also hadn't appreciated until Leah pointed out much to John's chagrin that there's uh, an ESC toy merchandise store uh, as well. I'll be happy when they all turn up. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I do have a full Redbubble cart right now. Um, I haven't clicked the button yet, but we'll see. <laughs> so that's found at hatfulshop.com and yeah, pillows ties leggings soft plush toys there won't be any soft toys left by the time i've gone through them all <laughs> the lot on there it's i mean it's on first blush this looks like oh remember when undertale suddenly exploded and everyone wanted undertale merch and it was kind of everywhere it seems like this game had a certain amount of that and it's in a smaller way obviously i'm not suggesting this game's that big of a success but this game has a reputation and it 
you know, a lot of people just seem to adore this game and what it stands for. To the fact that until I was researching this, I did not know there was a sequel to this game. I did not know there was another sequel in the work. I don't know why I missed that because I heard about this game, but I know now and there is no way I'm not playing uh, Holiday Star and no way I'm not keeping an eye on when (laughs) Hatful Boyfriend Mirror comes out. Uh, Yeah, just the things you learn in in putting together a Kane and Rin show. Yeah, the uh, the the holiday star mm. thing. Um, I said I think I'm the only one yeah. who's played any of it, but it's it's set up to be like episodic, so um, it it it's kind of different in that way, and there's not as many uh, kind of branching path choices. So I, I don't know whether that will end up making the the end result feel different or not uh, but it it seems like you know it's it's a very similar type of thing from what i have yeah. learned so far so if you're looking for more of that i think you probably could do worse yeah, i need to go and look into this i'm not sure why i never got around to playing playing this before i think i always assumed i picked it up on psn for like ten dollars so i mean it's not it's not a, a huge investment and i think it might be a little bit shorter yeah. than the original game but uh, so i but yeah. think the issue possibly is that for me certainly i can't speak to everyone but for me it wasn't until the hd remake was being released that people really started talking about this because of the compatibility issues on mm-hmm. pc because the um the translation was kind of an ongoing thing it wasn't like 2011 this game exploded. It took a while to build up Steam and it wasn't until it was more available, more readily available, that people started talking about it. And by that point, that sequel was already four years old. And so I guess it just kind of got washed up in the talk about Hatiful Boyfriend in general. And so maybe people didn't specifically, or I didn't specifically remember people talking about the sequel, just because it came out too quickly after the original, I guess. Yeah, and as you said, I mean, I imagine that a lot of people also got on are on board with this when it was on PS Plus, which was two years after the release and nearly two years after Holiday Star came out. And I've always looked at this and assumed it was a DLC pack rather than a, a full sequel. So, yeah, I, I mean, mean I the, don't... the name led me to believe that as well. This was like a Christmas-related uh, yeah. insert DLC or something, but yeah. Yeah, no. No. I don't know why I would then just think oh i'm not going to bother with it because it's only <laughs> dlc that's that's not really an excuse but i mean i yeah i definitely didn't realize it was a complete sequel so i can't promise that we'll cover it on cane rinse but i can absolutely promise i am going to look this out now and i'll keep an eye out for uh the the next sequel in the works hatful boyfriend mirror which i believe has been a long time coming and i don't think there's necessarily any immediate release for for that but definitely going to keep an eye out why not who doesn't want more mayhem in the world of uh, birds and humans. So, speaking to popularity and that kind of thing, we had one three-word review. So on the day of recording, we will put out a request on Twitter for your review of the word, of the game in three words. Exactly three words, no more, no less. Um, we had one response. We run the gamut. Sometimes we get lots for games we're not expecting. Sometimes we get none for games we are expecting. In this case, we had one response. Um, and Leah, would you like to read that for us, please? Sure. Scott Lamond says, romance, murder, pudding. Uh, covering all of the different bases. All bases. Could not have yeah. said it better myself. Yeah, for sure. Succinct. <laughs> I think we probably know where we're at, but it's customary to do a summary. So I'll be really quick and say I had three 
periods of great surprise with this. I had a lot of delight when I started hearing people talk about a pigeon dating sim. That just sounded fun. Whether or not I was going to play it, I enjoyed hearing people talk about it and enthusing about it. My second delight was when I'd got the game on PlayStation Plus and then it languished for a while and I just decided I was clearing a backlog. I decided to play it and I played a playthrough through, got a couple of endings. Happy with that. It was fun a nice pleasant surprise to pass the time and then the third pleasant surprise was when I went back and thought right I need to get all these trophies cracked out for this really go for this give this game all it's it's worth and just see what it's about and I could not at any of those stages have imagined that the next stage was there for me and to say that a game can surprise me when I hear about it when I play it and then when I go back to play it again I can't really say more than that I've gone on at length about how weird and wonderful this game is yeah the fact that it was playstation plus and i didn't have to pay a penny means i am more than happy to be forking out for sequels i maybe won't be spending hundreds of dollars on the on the plush toys but i can absolutely imagine why someone would want to do that and i can see myself maybe just perusing the uh the catalog there afterwards and uh maybe who knows uh, yeah. Thank you could, for could, enabling me. <laughs> could not be happier uh, <laughs> uh, having played this game and, and replaying it several times for, for this show. John, how about yourself? Hatful boyfriend. I think I also probably don't need to go particularly into depth, but um, if you haven't already figured it out from the various uh, conversation points here, I really, really like this game. I think it's a, a lot of fun. It's very silly. It's surprisingly in-depth and really shockingly dark in various places with a world that you would not have expected um, at the beginning of your uh, sort of initial playthroughs or from your elevator pitch of the game. Um, Yeah, I I had a ton of fun with it. I've found it really interesting as a uh, kind of an opening into the world of um, visual novels and dating games for me. And uh, if it's a genre that you've not really ever considered or you've kind of shrugged off and thought, nah, it just seems seems a little bit sort of out of out of my um my wheelhouse but you've listened to this and you've enjoyed it and you're interested in this uh let me tell you there are a million games like this now just a few years on um it's a bandwagon that has been absolutely jumped on by a ton of developers and to the extent where if you bought the um Litch.io bundle for racial justice or whatever it was last summer You've got a ton of visual novels, including some really good ones from a couple of really strong developers. So definitely something to try out, even if you've never considered it before. Like it's 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 a fascinating way to tell a story, and it's it might not be something that's thought of traditionally as as being a video game thing or being a particularly interactive medium, but it works really really well. And Hatterful Boyfriend is a fantastic starting point if if you're at all interested. So. Yeah, a complete recommendation from me. Thank you very, very much. And to wrap up our summaries, Leah, how did you feel about Hatful Boyfriend? Yeah, I I like this game a lot. Uh, I, I think a lot of the points that I have are things that uh, the two of you have brought up already. So I will just add that it might seem like it has a little bit of a slow start. If you have listened this far and you haven't played the game already, uh, it... it you'll probably know whether you're willing to put up with that or not. Uh, I I would say that if you are interested and you do get into the game, don't just go, I mean, you might, you don't have to go a hundred percent for everything, but I would recommend that you at least try to get to the, um, 
the the extended ending and see all the kind of weird stuff that happens there. Uh, I enjoyed my time with it enough to go through and get all of the trophies. Um, fingers crossed for a, a platinum to be added because I'm sure that's going to happen. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I I recommended with caveats but recommended nonetheless i liked it a lot excellent yeah thank you very much uh, you've also just reminded me and i'm kicking myself because i meant to mention it when we were talking audio it's worth saying there's no uh voice acting in this game that's why we didn't bring it up it's all text it's very much a visual novel in the style of this is a text adventure choose your own adventure with pictures to go with it so obviously that raises accessibility issues for um anyone who's uh, got vision impairment so probably should have mentioned that earlier really uh, big apologies for not doing so it's something that I need to get better at acknowledging uh, and thank you for reminding me Leah in mentioning uh, in your summary okay I think that wraps us up that's a weird way to end to kind of tag on to the summaries with an apology for not having mentioned uh, that but I wanted to make sure I did because I am kicking myself for not having done so sooner all that remains in this issue 461 of the Cane Rinse podcast is for me to thank Leah, John, our editor Ryan, as well as our Twitter and forum correspondents, and of course, each and every one of you for listening. Next time, it's issue 462. We've had Rise of Link and Shadow of Link. Now it's time for Link's Awakening. Oh, wrong series. Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, folks.